Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, and this might be the last chance I get to speak on today's show. Wow, we've got some pretty awesome guests coming up. and uh... Well, not quite yet, though. So we <laughs> we, we got to open things up here and tell you what we're doing. So today on the show, we're going to talk a little about manganese. This is an incredibly important nutrient, but it's a micronutrient. And so, well, you probably, just like me, grew up hearing about NPK, 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 and even today, we spend the vast majority of our dollars on the farm on nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we want to talk about today is this often forgotten micronutrient that if you don't have it, you got problems in more ways than one. So we just would encourage you to be getting complete soil tests done, do some plant tissue analysis along the way too, and to not just look at NP and K, look at sulfur and calcium, magnesium, and all these different micronutrients, including manganese. So we're going to talk about why manganese is important, where it fits, where you can have issues, and how best to fertilize for manganese. We do have a couple of great guests that are going to be on our show today, including Dick Goff and Neil Kinsey. So I'm really looking forward to that myself. If you've got a question for us or for Dick or Neil later in the show, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so just to kick things off with manganese here, and then we'll probably get to the agphd mailbag in a minute. But with manganese, here are a couple of things that we've heard over the years. Number one, if you use Roundup, you're going to tie up all your manganese. Um, We have done extensive testing on that, and we have absolutely not found that to be true. Now, I'm not saying that couldn't happen here or there, but here's really what we found. People just don't have manganese. They they don't fertilize with manganese. And then they say, well, Roundup's to blame. (laughs) Wait a second here. Um, Could it possibly be that you've never fertilized with manganese before? Could that be the issue potentially rather than, oh, let's just blame Roundup for all our problems. So Roundup must be the cause of global warming. It must be the cause of overcrowding. And I I, I mean, I think Roundup's causing inflation right now. I mean, literally, Roundup Roundup is to blame for every problem there is. Let's look at what's actually going on. Let's look at the facts and And just be honest with ourselves and say, okay, how many dollars have I invested in my farming career in manganese? If your answer is zero or close to it, let's stop talking about Roundup and let's start talking about how we can fix the actual problem because your crop is removing manganese from the soil every single year. That's a fact. We all know that. If you don't put some manganese back out there, we can't have any different expectation than sooner or later to have a manganese deficiency. All right, the other thing that we've heard with manganese and actually seen it is where we have good manganese levels, we have less sclerotinia white mold. Now, if you're listening and you don't raise a crop that this could be affected by, or let's say you're in a in a very warm climate, you may never see sclerotinia white mold. But around here, it's one of the worst diseases that we face. And we have found some published research out there saying that, you know what, manganese is a really important element in plants in that it helps in terms of the tolerance of that plant to sclerotinia white mold. So yeah, we 
we, we have seen it literally right to the line where you have high levels of manganese versus where you don't. There's less sclerotinia white mold, or even in some cases none, versus, hey, we're, we have manganese deficiencies, then we are seeing more sclerotinia. So those are just a couple of the things to, to kind of get you thinking about this particular nutrient here. But again, we just, we would always encourage you do soil testing, do plant tissue analysis, be taking a look at all the nutrients rather than just N, P, and K. And maybe manganese isn't your problem, but it very well could be. So that's why we wanted to cover it today. All right. Let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag right now. we got a few questions that have come in already, so let's, let's hear the music. It's the mailbag! All right. Darren, what you got over there? All right. This comes from Bruce out in western Pennsylvania. He said, hey, guys, I recently took some soil samples out here on a farm that we just picked up. Uh, we got a 30-acre farm here, and uh, I know that you'll recommend going to smaller grids, uh, but we don't have VRT spreaders uh, available right now, so... Didn't see a point to go a whole lot further than that. Uh, what we want to know about these fields, um, it was reclaimed coal strip ground, had wastewater treatment plant sludge applied. And I'm not sure what the rate was or the analysis of that product, but I definitely know we're looking at at least 340 pounds of potash to get our base saturation up to over 4% uh, and get sufficient parts per million there. Uh, maybe even add some magnesium uh, to boost that base saturation up to 15 or 18 percent since we got lighter ground. Just curious, uh, should I be concerned about micronutrient levels or what else do you see on the test that I'm missing? Okay, first thing is his comment about we don't have VRT or variable rate equipment. So what's the point in doing, and I'm paraphrasing here, so what's the point in having small grids or zones? Well, there's a big point because let's put it this way. It all basically comes back to dollars and cents, right? So if somebody told you, you know what, you could make an extra $50,000 if you use variable rate equipment, you would probably look into getting variable rate equipment or having somebody variable spread it. So we don't know what you have for variability out there. And we're not saying you have to go with small grids or zones every single year, but at least one time, then you're going to have a much better idea what's really happening out there. The cation exchange capacity here is 10. So he's right. It is fairly light soil. It's not pure sand, but it's fairly light soil. And his magnesium percentage is down to 6. So if you only have 6% magnesium, that's probably already limiting you a little bit, but then... Um, well, if we can get it up into that 12, 15, 20 kind of range, your soil's going to uh, basically be able to hold more moisture. You're, you're going to tighten that soil up just a little bit because it's uh, pretty sandy right now. And yeah, for potassium, you're only at 1.8%, but the good news is it's light soil. It's not going to take that much to get your percentage up. So yeah, I mean, overall, not bad. Just got to add a few things here. You'll be fine. Stay tuned. When it comes to serial disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. 
and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show. If you have a question or if you'd like to discuss our topic of the day, manganese, you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, so our first guest today is, he's been a frequent uh, contributor here on the show. It's Dick Goff. He was with Midwest Labs for a long time, and he's just been a tremendous resource for us over the years when we start talking about fertility. So, Dick, happy to have you on the show today. You got to hear this. Yesterday, we were we got a question in about manganese sulfate, and a, a and an agronomist had made the recommendation, hey, put some ammonium sulfate with the manganese sulfate. So then you'll you'll get better response out of that manganese. And we're like, well, where'd you get this recommendation? And the agronomist goes, oh, it's not my recommendation. That came from Dick Goff years ago. <laughs> so we said, you know what we need oh, to really? do? Yep. We said, you know, <laughs> you know what we need to do is get Dick on the show just to talk about that a little bit. So do you remember anything that you worked on years ago where it was manganese sulfate and they were talking about adding a little bit of ammonium sulfate to it to hopefully help make that manganese? a little more available I don't have <laughs> but, I've, uh, I've heard you talk a lot of ammonium I, sulfate dick it definitely could have been an individual yeah, recommendation know. too yeah I will get in I would I could have made a statement like that and I still would <laughs> but we have got some information that I dug out and I have been using in meetings and uh, what it boils down to, let me just describe a, situ- a couple situations. Here. Sure. But one up in northwest Iowa, we were out there, and I have pictures over here which just don't do you any good. But looking down over 500 acres, there were all these areas that was just corn down. I mean, it was up to knee high, and all those yep. spots were yellow, and they were not doing anything. And we got out there and could feel a definite difference in the soil when we were going down with a sampling tube. 
and but six feet away from the, the edge where the corn was high compared to where it wasn't. I mean, only two steps. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the corn, the core come out easy and everything. And I dug roots, and the roots were beautiful. And we get back over to the other, and it was sticky and tight and not, you know, getting the corn up and going. Mm -hmm. Look at the soil test. And the interesting thing is the good part, and this 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 good I am not gonna go into everything here. That, that was one transparency I could go on to with an hour of all the things that it's showing us. Oh Darren and but I've already talked been, about that. We said, you know, all we need to do is literally say, Dick, tell us all you need to know about manganese and Darren and I'll just go uh get some coffee and uh take a break for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> okay, so so you're telling us what no. the the good ground what and what did that look like? I well, mean, well, some of the things when you look at a soil test, yeah. and, and this all ties in here, and it gets complicated, but the manganese is showing up. And what it boiled down to is they looked at the test here. The poor area had the highest soil test. The good area had the lowest soil test. Growers said, well, how in the world can that be? Well, you haven't ever been harvesting anything off that that poor area, and you've been spreading over the whole field the same. So that's a good example of how much you have to put on extra to get the soil bills up, for one thing. But what happened on there then, we went back, and they took and ran trace mineral tests on all this. Yep. Well, I went doing meetings for about a year and a half, Looking at this transparency, looking at what we had recommended, 300 pounds of, of calcium, carbonate, uh, high calcium, and they variable rated it on all these pockets. Yep. Well, I didn't hear anything back for that fall. Well, the next winter, I was in a meeting down south of this guy, and all of a sudden, this man stood up in the back of the room. He said, hey... I, that is my field. <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy, where are we going now? <laughs> yep. And he said, then this last year, every one of those spots yielded right up with 180, 90 bushel, what we were looking at in the field six feet away from that. And he said, with all those spots responding, our yield went up to over 200 or something like that. Yep. And uh, I said, you know, I said, for 300 pounds of calcium carbonate, I said, I have a hard time believing that. Yes, we did a little pH change, and that was a very acid. Those pots were very acid. But I said, I, I just can't see that much change just from that calcium carbonate. Well, that at that time, I was down doing meetings in Nebraska, and this fellow came up, and here he was uh, one of the researchers from the, oh, can't think of the name of it, but down, down with all the water dams and that down south. Uh, they were doing a lot of research in there. And he said, you know, he said, you've got the answer right on that test. And I said, really? Well, which one are we looking at? Well, we looked at the 
where we had the trace minerals. Yep. And the interesting thing is that he said your iron and magnesium have to be in the right proportion. And you want iron and manganese. Iron and manganese or iron and magnesium. Manganese. Manganese. Yeah, not okay. magnesium. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you. Of manganese. And here in the problem field, where there was not anything growing, we had about a little more manganese than we did iron. Okay. After they had put on that calcium on there, he said, all that did, he said, you're right, it just as far as changing pH. He said, that was not the issue at all. But he said that calcium tied up that excess manganese and got that ratio back to three to one, and that's exactly what it was on on where we were growing the high corn. Three to one iron and, to manganese ratio. Yep. So we're looking at, and I had that written down, and and some of the papers and the stuff that I had picked up on the line, but it becomes. That magnesium calcium relationship in that in the soil type, and what I'm seeing happen is that you've got a tighter soil for some reason, there's other things happening because uh, when you looked at the test, it didn't make sense. But here this manganese and, and iron was out of whack. Then I got to stop and think. I go over into eastern Minnesota, and we've got high iron on all that soil over there. Yep. We never see any iron manganese or any iron chlorosis in soybeans. Yep. And one of the things we found on some of these soybeans where we got iron chlorosis, they can vary. They can put gypsum right down the row. Don't hurt the beans at all. And or where we dribble ammonium sulfate over the top of the row, we pull those beans right out of that iron chlorosis problem. Now, is it the fact that we just got more calcium available or that we're uh, dealing with some toxicity of something else like manganese? Yeah, yeah, good points. Hey, uh, Dick, we yeah, are we, we hey Dick, we are up against a commercial break here, but when we come back after this, I've got two questions for you that we'd like to have you answer so you can think about this just a little bit. But we're going to ask you how much manganese do I need? So we got all these people listening today. They want to know, okay, what am I looking for here? How much manganese am I really trying to get to? What does my soil test need to say or whatever? And then the second question is, how should I apply manganese? Should I do it foliar? Should I do broad cast manganese sulfate should i do some liquid in the furrow or whatever so we'll come right back we'll talk to dick goff about the answers to those two questions stay tuned this is ag phd radio win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from valent usa with three different formulations and multiple modes of action you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like palmer amaranth and water hemp Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Applying nitrogen to my planter is an important part of our system. It's efficient and puts nitrogen right in the root zone. Hi, Greg Souter. 360 tanks make on-planter nitrogen much easier. Those 700-gallon tanks keep the tractor balanced, distributing weight evenly over the axles, and they give me great visibility. Plus, with the narrow transport width, mailboxes are safe. Take a good look at 360 Yield Center tractor tanks and see how they help boost efficiency at planting time. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today talking about manganese. And we've been visiting with Dick Goff here. Dick is someone we turn to and we have for years just for answers to fertility questions that we've had. It's just a wealth of information. So, Dick, I, I said right before the break, I was going to ask you two questions here. How much manganese do I need to apply and how should I apply the manganese? So for all our people listening, what should they really be looking for in their soil test, in the plant? I mean, what are you kind of after? What's kind of your standard go-to when you talk about manganese? How much do I need? I don't know. <laughs> but what I, Come on, why, Dick. Why Come I, on. I've been building this all up. You got to give me something here. Well, <laughs> no, I know. I got, there are a lot of I, conditions. I got ways, I got ways of identification. <laughs> okay. We have to. Another person to maybe talk to, is, you know, if you, you, you probably know Bill Darrington from down south. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh well, we got we got he, Neil we got Neil Kinsey coming on next too, and and Neil talks an awful lot about manganese. So yeah, we got plenty of resources yeah, well, for manganese, and we got experience too. We're just curious about your experience and 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 what do you think about yeah. manganese? Well, 
where we get into the soils of higher pH, I see manganese being tied up because where they put the ammonium sulfate or gypsum, they're getting a big increase in their manganese uptake without even putting any in. So if you were going to put some, you would be able to get a better impact or better efficiency use out of it yep. by having at least some acid there with it. That's exactly That's what Darren right and I there. were talking about just yesterday after the show when this person had said uh, ammonium sulfate together with the manganese sulfate. And Darren goes, well, I'll bet it's a pH thing. And so that's why we wanted yep. your opinion on that too. That's exactly our feeling. And you mentioned this less availability. So here's what we've been doing is testing, two, running two different tests. The DTPA test will give us more kind of what's available, but the Malik 3 test seems to tell us more what's in the soil. So what we tell guys is, hey, if you run both these tests, and let's say you're you're doing the Malik 3 test, and it shows, oh, you've got 200 pounds of manganese out there, but your DTPA shows almost nothing in that high soil pH, we agree with you, Dick. That's the spot where, boy, if you tried some ammonium sulfate or something like that, uh, that should give you more availability. Yeah, absolutely. And just along the same line, putting it in, and this is off the track, but it's on the same track because we don't know what we were doing. Up in Canada, years ago, Potash Corporation head guy was at a meeting I did and come up afterwards and he said, why did you, you recommend ammonium sulfate to these hutterites? Well, they had high pH and they were wanted to get better zinc in their thing. They weren't looking at manganese, but better zinc in their because sure. it was all for feed yep. to their cattle or hogs. Yep. And he and I said, and and then he said, well, this is the reason I'm asking. He said we've been getting response to putting potash in the starters. But yep. we don't get the response wherever the grower, and up there, a lot of the farmers we had going on, and not just me, but others, where they were using ammonium sulfate as the starter, period. Gotcha. They weren't doing the phosphorus or nothing. And their peak crew readings were way out of line up there, way high. And they, they did, and I said, well, that's exactly what's happening. You've got that acid in there and he said then we get the better protein the better yield the better growth and the better potash uptake without putting any on just from the ammonia yep yep yeah we talk about this all the time that boy high ph soils are a concern you got to try to figure out what's out of balance and what you can do to get things in balance and to try to make some of these nutrients a little more available so talking about how should i how should I apply well, manganese? Thing. I mean, do you do you like manganese sulfate? Do you like these foliar products or starters? Or I mean, what do you like when when guys ask you, "Hey, I got to put some manganese on. What should I use?" How do you respond? Well, I look at that as broadcasting gets out of the price range. It's expensive for a micro. Yes, it, it ought to be on starter. Yeah, but that gets to add another problem with the high, high big applicators, the high acres. Well, I don't want to take that time to do that. And uh, but it could be variable rated, 
I think, on and and on these spots of problem. But I really go with the ammonium sulfate or any sulfate form when it disassociates, you're going to have acid. And that's going to also increase the availability of any calcium in the soil on this. And that's what maybe is tying up that. That's why in this one example I was giving you there that that manganese was available where the acid was in in the starter or they in and then it becomes available with the crop. The other thing I find along that same thing, when you look at soybeans and getting the best response on soybeans. Now, they've been looking a lot of them on not putting a starter or anything on beans that much. Right. Where they were putting 100 pounds of ammonium sulfate on the on the residue on corn ahead of the beans, they got a tremendous jump. And I've often wondered, is that because we've actually increased that calcium uptake by the beans? Because I've got a whole bunch of data where research has shown any time we can increase the calcium uptake into the plant, our, our disease and all these problems just disassociate. We get rid of them. And it's all revolved around how much that is. The calcium might be in the soil. Calcium carbonate, the pH might be a 6, 9, or 7, uh, but it's not available. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle when they hear you say, hey, you might have lots of calcium out there, thousands of pounds, but it's not available. And so people go, well, wait a second, how could it not be available? But the bigger question is, how do we get it into the plant? So you bring up a good point. Ammonium sulfate would be one way to potentially do that. And along with that, you could then maybe make your manganese and and zinc and some of these other nutrients a little bit more available as well. So Dick, you sound like the world's best, you sound like the world's best ammonium sulfate salesman here. But but, I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. You're right on. Now you talked about a hundred pounds in front of beans. Is that something Something you'll commonly bring up to people? Do you talk about a higher rate, a lower rate? Do you like that hundred pounds in front of soybeans? Well, yeah, because I preached that for years down in the Nebraska and Kansas and southern Iowa and all over. And the, you know, you always get this situation where I said, put a hundred pounds on, a hundred and fifty maximum. Yep. Because you don't want those beans getting way tall and not doing. Well, the next year, here, a fella jumped on me down in southern, not jumped on me, but down in southern <laughs> Illinois, and he was from over in Kansas somewhere, and he yep. said, yeah, he says that really worked the first year when I did 100, but then he said I went 250 because I thought that worked so good. More is always he better. I have, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got beans up to cut my top of my tractor and I don't got no yield. And I said, yeah, but what did I say? Yeah, yeah, he says, I just, you know, thought a little work or more and I've had that happen too on other times. Yep. All right. Hey, Dick, uh, thanks a lot for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. It's always great getting your insight. Uh, We hope you're doing well over there and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. 
Yeah, I'm I'm living and I'm surviving on my better health now than I was 15 years ago. So. Well, fantastic. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Dick. Really appreciate it. All right, we're going to continue talking about manganese on the show today. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this, and uh, shortly we're going to be joined by Neil Kinsey, our good friend down in Missouri, to talk a little more about manganese and other fertility-related topics. Stay tuned. Where are you getting your fertilizer this year? Just about anywhere you look, it's going to cost more. And you may even find it's harder to get when you need it. It sure would be nice to have a better source of crop nutrients. Believe it or not, you do. It's your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields, so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why source wasn't the plan all along. Visit sound.ag to learn more. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio. We've been talking manganese, but next on we've got Jacob. 
calling in. He just sent in some soil tests to us. So we've had a chance to take a look at those, and hopefully, Jacob, we can answer your questions. So uh, so what do you got for us today? All right. So we're just talking with, you know, the local co-op, trying to make a plan yep. for fertilizing this spring. We're just going to do a broadcast. And I wanted to get aggressive with the P and K. Yep. And so before my beans, I was thinking a 0, 90, 150. Okay blend and then yep. before the corn 135 150 150 yep. 12 sulfur and 10 pounds of actual zinc gotcha um i don't know it's it's pretty expensive Darren's what, got what the are the what are the yield goals too curious about that jacob okay so on the beans i'm gonna be sh- i think realistically 55 bushels average. Okay. okay. And how about the corn? And then the corn, um, we've hit 190 before in this field. So Okay. So so 190 plus. All right. So, Darren, uh, go ahead with the well, cost. I just figured roughly. out the cost on that bean program. And is granted, it's be... cost delivered to our farm yeah, and what we're, we're buying for delivery. We're, we're a different here, spot. So, his uh, might not, be a little different. Yeah, but not but trying this to gives put you anybody ballpark. on the spot. Go ahead. Uh, it's it's uh, roughly 140 bucks this year, roughly 240, 250 bucks next year. Yep. So, does that sound ballpark where you're at, Jacob? For the beans? Yeah, 140 ish on the beans. And, and the corn. And the corn like was how much? 180 is what they were saying. Okay. And then what about on the corn? Um, I'd figured that corn so that program like, roughly around 240, 250. That's today's prices. Nitrogen's come down a ways, too. That helps. Man, I thought they said it was like 370. Well, you better you, you you might want to check on that one again a little bit. But here's here's our <laughs> here's our whole point. At 140 to 250 dollars, and the kind of yield levels that you're talking about, can you afford this if you own the ground and you are planning a build program to put yourself at least maybe a little bit more ahead in the future? I would. I would feel very comfortable with that. I'm not worried about hurting the crop with the, the levels that you're talking about or anything like that. And just to share with the audience real right. quick here what we're, we're talking about, his kind of exchange capacity levels are in the range of 38 to 56. Now, we don't believe any of that, quite frankly, and here's what I mean. He, he has very high levels of magnesium in his soil 21 to 34 percent and these are these are times where so our next guest is going to be neil kinsey he talks about running a cation displacement test the belief is that the soil can't even hold that much stuff so there's some some of that stuff is free and your cation exchange capacity probably isn't as high as 56 in that worst spot it's maybe more like 40 so it's probably still crazy heavy, don't get me wrong, but 56 is probably a little outside where it really is. But here's what we do know. It's very heavy soil. It's got really high magnesium. And like in that area, it's 5.5% sodium. That's very, very concerning. So I'm much more worried about what's our strategy to fix any drainage issues and make sure we're solving the sodium rather than this fertility side. And don't get me wrong, the fertility side's important. I see what where you're going with this because like your zinc, you're at 0.3 parts per million, 0.6 parts per million, and that needs to be built for sure. We've been able to prove that for sure that, hey, if you don't get your phosphorus to, to zinc ratios 
at least halfway close, you're, you're going to be in trouble long term. And the phosphorus levels on the Olsen test are 8 to 20 parts per million. So it's, it's just it's not a lot of phosphorus. The base saturation Ks are right around 1%. So we totally understand where you're going in, in this kind of build program. But you talked about in your email to us about doing some strip till moving forward. We have some heavy soil like this too. I mean, almost identical to what you're talking about here, we've got some of that as well. Where we've had the best success is doing strip-till because now we can put the fertilizer in the row, but yet it's not right next to the seed because we want to go higher rates, and then we can get better uptake there. So I, okay, I get couple, all that long-term. A couple things on this too, uh, Jacob, just a couple things to think about here. So uh, you definitely are building P and K on the soybean spread that you're doing. And you're, you're definitely building P and K on the corn spread. But the corn spread, you're just putting out 135 units in. And I didn't see what the soil test showed as far as how much carryover there was. That is crop removal. That doesn't account for the 85 pounds that your stover needs. So, or you're going to need for right. stover. So you're going to need 215 total. So I'm not sure if that includes a side dress. It's going to come later. Well, yeah, well, well what it was a side dress and some starter, you know. Okay, so. okay. And then the other thing is the sulfur. You're going to need more sulfur than that. You've got 12 pounds on the corn side and none on the soybean side, and we're going to need some on both. We've seen some really nice response on sulfur and just the crop removal on 190 but, bushel corns, 15 pounds. Yeah, but here's the whole thing, Darren. There's a uh, ton? Uh, yeah, there is oh, a crazy of the drainage. amount in the soil test, and this also is leading me back to, I'm to finish up. I'm investing in the drainage first. All right, I'm yep. investing in the drainage first. Because when that sulfur flushes out of there, it's most likely going to take some of your sodium. It's going to take some of your magnesium. The the, the issue here, our number one, if, if let's just say I own this ground. My first dollar spent would be on in drain tile with the understanding it's going to have to be a lot of money. It's going to have to be close spacings because you got very heavy ground. Yeah, my first call would be right. the ag banker to say, hey, guess what? We're going to be needing some tile. <laughs> yes. yeah. Unfortunately, well, that's not well, cheap. Well, this is, this is rented ground. That's actually yeah. part of my questions. So so what we have um, done in situations like this is we have simply gone to the landlord, showed him the soil tests, and said, all right, here's really what's going on. You can see all this sulfur that's hung up in your field. You can see the high pH. You can see the challenge that we're dealing with here. And then we work out. We've worked out different arrangements with our landlords. Either we'll pay for all the tile with a long-term fixed rent agreement, and that's fine. Or they pay for all the tile, and we immediately start paying more for cash rent. Either way, I don't care. I'm fine with it because I know our yields are going up over time. But yeah, that's that's one of your biggest challenges here. So when Darren said right. you need more sulfur, uh, I'll be honest. If I was you, I wouldn't put a single pound out yeah, there. You've got yeah. so much sulfur well, I didn't in that the, soil. I didn't look at the soil test either. I, I was just looking at I, what the costs were. That would actually be a question about the sulfur. Because some agronomists told me that, like, when you see those wild numbers, like 2,000 pounds yep. an acre, are those even real or? Um, yep. They're they're real. Okay. So, so I'll they, tell you. They, they seem to think they were kind of. I don't know. They were just out there, and they're like, yeah, we don't do that stuff. So. Yeah, they are out there, and even if they're off 50%, you still have way well, yeah. more than you need to raise a crop. So I wouldn't be investing any dollars in sulfur. I, I would invest dollars in the other stuff. But, yeah, you're right on the P and the K. I mean, you're very low, so working on at least a little bit of a build program 
I mean, that's okay, but the challenge is when you don't own that ground, you're building it up potentially for somebody else. So that's also why we've right. liked running strip till on ground like this when we're, we're renting it, because now we have a better chance to extract those nutrients in the short term rather than, hey, they're still going to be hanging out there five, 10 years from now. Right. And I'm getting the strip till going on your guys' recommendations. Now, is it a waste of money to do this build in ahead of that? Well, you're not on or, much of a build. You're not on that much of a build program here. You're on a little bit of a oh, build okay. program, but not that much. With the with the yield goals you're talking about, it it it's not like it's that big a deal. So, I, would okay. I be that worried about it? No, uh, I wouldn't. But, you know, moving forward, like we say, if it's us, we're probably trying to figure out some way to work with the landlord on tile. And then we're probably in the short term going to a strip till thing. If we owned it, though, we have taken ground like this and we have worked on a build program for the whole thing. It's just when you have very heavy ground, it's very expensive to do that and it takes time. Hey, Jacob, we got to run, but I, I want to thank you a lot for calling in. Best of luck to you up there and just kind of let us know how this, th- this whole thing turns out for you. All right. Thank you. You bet. And Brian, you know, we had a big fertility discussion there. We didn't even talk about manganese. That is our topic for today's program. We'll be back talking more manganese and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg, Think Biological. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just damned. 
Sweet field heaven! Ant? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Ant herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter, or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at DeerEquipment.com. That's D-E-E-R-Equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Talking manganese on the show here today. We've got our good friend Neil Kinsey on with us next. Hey, Neil, uh, we've been talking about manganese throughout the show today. We only have one segment left, and we thought you would be the perfect person to wrap this up for us. Uh, what, what can you tell us about manganese? Where are the biggest areas where you see deficiencies out on the farm? Well, first of all, uh, when we look at manganese overall, that's probably the place where we have to make the least amount of recommendations for deficiencies. Manganese and iron would run neck and neck, perhaps, but where we see the most problem with manganese deficiency would be on tight soil. They don't have good aeration, especially waterlogged soils. It sounds like a lot of stuff we deal with up in our region of the country. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think everywhere, but uh, (laughs) as long as we can keep that uh, manganese above 40 parts per million, it doesn't seem to be as big a problem. The the real question there is if you've got, uh, uh, if you're growing corn and you're down around 30 parts per million manganese, you're going to have shorter corn. Well, and many times we'll have people that'll put on the prescribed amount of manganese and use the proper materials and use the right amount, and still it doesn't build. And that generally turns out to be because we just don't have enough air in the soil. Once in a while, it will be because, uh, say once in a while, uh, sometimes it will be due to putting on uh, uh, limestone, raising the pH, because as the pH goes up, it's going to affect the availability of the manganese. And also what a lot of people don't count on is as calcium increases in the soil, the calcium itself, not just the pH, but the calcium itself will actually affect the availability of manganese for about every 600 pounds of calcium you put on, which is equivalent to one ton of good calcium carbonate limestone fine grind, it will affect your manganese availability by about 25 pounds per acre. In other words, of having not 25 pounds of manganese, but 25 pounds of manganese sulfate in order to correct it. That would be about over seven parts per million manganese. And when you put on limestone, it happens over three years. So a lot of people don't necessarily see what's happening in that kind of a case. And we'll have people call and say, I put on the manganese, but it's not building. And then the first thing we want to know is what else have you put on? Gotcha. And so the lime or or really the calcium is what's tying that up. Okay, so we've talked a lot about in the past how, how you like broadcasting a lot of these micronutrients. And we totally understand that because otherwise you got really varying levels from row to row and throughout the field. But how about this manganese thing? Because manganese sulfate's a pretty expensive nutrient now. 
So how, I mean, in terms of that cost, what do you usually tell people where they get the soil test, they send you the soil test and you go, hey, yeah, you're going to need a bunch of manganese sulfate. I'm assuming a lot of people go, whoa, wait a second, that's very expensive. Can I do that over time? Do I need to do that right away? What What are your thoughts on that? If let's say the guy really was short and he needs, let's call it 50 pounds of manganese sulfate, but he goes, oh boy, that's a lot of money for this year. Well, first of all, we'd say, okay, if you can't do it all at once, the sooner you get there, and, and we're only, if he needs 50 pounds to get to 40 parts per million, it's going to hurt him till he gets there. Some crops worse <laughs> than others. I think soybeans start to show up. Once you get down around 37 or 38 on the test we're using, you can actually see it in the soybeans in August. If they're, if they're uh, you just walk out there and you can see that yellow tinge that comes into the leaf. Uh, but what we'll tell them is, okay, if you can't put on 50 pounds this year, can you put on 10? It's going to take you five years to get there, but still going to, you know, you're still going to be making some progress. The question is, if you put on 10, are you going to get a response? And so many times we don't. And the other problem other is, words. how much are you losing in yield along the way? So that's what I always try to turn it into that's is, all right, let's look at economics here. I mean, with with the corn and soybean prices we have today, this is a big deal. But what you're saying is soybeans, you can actually see maybe a little bit more response, or let me rephrase that, you got to have your level at that, you got to be up to the minimum level, and it's more important there. But corn silage too, we don't talk a lot enough, I think, about corn silage, but we're raising a couple thousand acres of corn silage in our farm this year, we want taller corn. And what you're saying is if I get a manganese deficiency, I'm going to have shorter corn and that would not be good for my tonnage. That's absolutely right. And wherever that manganese is lowest below 40 parts per million, that's where you'll have the shortest corn. I don't know how many times I point out to a farmer when he says, well, where is that man? Where is that spot? And I say, it's over there where you have the shortest corn. And he immediately knows what you're talking about. Because when you get down about, oh, 32, 33 parts per million, it, it's uh, affected enough that it's noticeable how much we've lost when we're at 35. Maybe we can't see it, but it's already affecting us. So what else with manganese do you usually bring up to farmers? I mean, what other problems, any other areas where you see a lot of issues? A couple of things, and that is, uh, if we have a, a soil where the manganese is actually higher in parts per million than iron, and you look at that crop and you see, well, we have, and it looks like an iron deficiency, iron chlorosis there. Soybeans is one of these crops, again, that really shows us up. And you take a leaf analysis and send it in, when it comes back, it says, oh, you, your iron's great. You don't have an iron problem. But what happens is when the manganese percent parts per million in the soil is higher than the iron, the manganese actually causes the iron to be oxidized in the leaf. It causes an iron deficiency in the plant because the plant can't use the oxidized iron. But when you take a leaf analysis and they ash those leaves, it makes that oxidized iron look like it's available. So a leaf test won't tell you you've got that problem, even when you look at it and you know it's absolutely iron chlorosis. It won't show that that's a problem. You have to look at the soil test to see are the parts per million uh, manganese higher than the iron. And if it's even one part per million higher, it'll start to have an effect. 
Okay, so one of the things we, were, we had Dick Goff on earlier in the show, and he said <laughs> some people have had success putting some gypsum out or just a little bit of lime, some high calcium lime, just a little bit, and it's been tying up the manganese before it's been tying up the iron, and then they've reduced this issue. Have you seen that before, or how do you suggest a farmer fixes that manganese to iron ratio? Well, now, I don't know how he's measuring his uh, iron and manganese, but on the test we use, when we put calcium on, it ties up a whole lot more iron than it does manganese. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. So, so. I, you know, it may be, it may be that uh, based on the numbers on another test or something like that, that, uh, yeah. uh, that, that they get that kind of a result. And I don't want to say, oh, no, that can't happen. But uh, what we see generally is, man... If you're going to tie up a little bit of manganese, you're going to tie up a lot of iron. Yeah, so, that's what I was and, worried and about. Calcium so, is the one part, yeah. Yeah, okay. So in other words, what you're saying is you probably better not look at trying to just tie up that manganese out in the soil. Just put some more iron on and solve your manganese to iron ratio. The other thing that could be a possibility that what they're seeing there is a little bit of calcium increases uptake of various nutrients in the soil, and depending on where they really sure. are, uh, it could be that when they're when they're on the test they're using when they're putting that calcium on they're just making it uh, better uh, they're just getting the calcium better and and it enables the manganese to get into the plant more well, the, easily. Yeah, I, the I'm other yeah the other thing that you mentioned is manganese can be well you have issues with availability in tight waterlogged soils and we talk all the time about calcium does make the soil a little more porous so that was one of the things I yes. thought about too. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that could happen. Yep. All right. We got about a minute left, Neil. What else do you have for us on manganese? Anything else you wanted to bring up today? Well, one thing that I would tell farmers is a lot of people are going to tell you if you have a high pH soil, you cannot build manganese in that soil. If you're putting on something that's going to tie it up, if you're putting on something to raise the pH, or if you're putting on something to raise the calcium, uh, no, you can't. I mean, well, you can't. You, what's going to happen is going to get tied up as you're doing it. But gotcha. if there's nothing there to influence it, if you've or if you haven't put on limestone in the last three years and so on and so forth, and you need manganese, I, we have soils that are heavy soils that have pHs eight, eight two, eight four, and when we use straight manganese sulfate, you can build those manganese levels generally pound for pound. Uh, when I say generally, maybe there's some other effect there, but it's not a high pH that causes the problem. Once the pH is where it's going to be, you've already tied up all the manganese you're going to tie up. Yep. The, the manganese sulfate you add is actually going to increase the available manganese in that soil, and we do it all the time. It, hap it, it works. Neil, as always, great stuff. We just feel so blessed to have you on the show every, every time you call in. Uh, so thanks a lot for your insight in manganese. Really appreciate it. Hope you're doing well down there, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, thanks for having me, and things are going well. <laughs> Good deal. Always great to hear. <laughs> right. Thanks a lot. Again, that was Neil Kinsey. Had a fun show today focusing on manganese, just one of those micronutrients to watch for on your soil test. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.